Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Tuesday morning in London town. It's LBC 97.3. You've chosen wisely. I thought the Notting Hill Carnival went off relatively OK. About 240 arrests, was it? Which, to be honest with you, I was saying to my driver, Ali, this morning, I th- still think it's 240 too many. And uh, there are pictures in the papers today, which you've heard on the bulletin, of a, of a man holding a knife uh, in front of police officers and another man standing in front of the police officers clutching his stomach because he's been... He's been knifed by, we assume, this person who is in full view of everybody holding this this blade, which I think they managed to retrieve afterwards. Now they're trying to find the person uh, responsible because he obviously got how he got away. I've got no idea. But he did. Uh, Esther Ranson, as you've heard, is on the front pages of The Times this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. I was abused. This is uh, about the Childline founder. And uh, apparently years ago, when she was a young girl, a relative abused her and her mother said, oh, don't doesn't matter really just just push it to one side and uh, and so she did she said but every time she saw a picture of this person now it's interesting that she's in this morning in fact it, it it's very fortuitous because i'm quite sure that ian dale will be talking to esther about this because it's a headline you don't kind of expect to see do you not from a woman who is uh, who is past 70 you don't expect to see something about saying I was abused. I suppose if we all go back far enough in our life, there must be something, mustn't there? If we all get regressed, there must be something that happened that at the time probably seemed quite innocent and yet afterwards didn't. So I'm sure they'll be talking about that uh, later on today. Um, I was pleased about the Nottingham Carnival. I didn't go because I'm not, not good with crowds, I'm afraid, but I was, I was quite pleased that it passed off relatively quietly, relatively. I think the the problem is, when you've got a lot of young people who are intent on partying, and uh, and I use the term very loosely because, frankly, it's there's nothing more sickening than coming into here in the early hours of the morning and seeing drunks being sick and falling over and slumped in doorways. You feel immensely... I, I used to feel a bit sorry for them. Now I just think they're sad people who cannot get by without copious amounts of alcohol. And the bars who carry on serving these people. I think it should be illegal... If people keep serving somebody who is quite clearly drunk, the, the people who are around Charing Cross Station and around the entrance to the square this morning, they couldn't even stand up, these people. And all I kept... And strangely enough, Jay Louise, who's doing the travel this morning, she said to me the same thing. She said she was seeing a load of people she got off the bus. And she, all she kept thinking was, don't you have homes to go to? Don't you have a job to go to later on today? And I, I, I think exactly the same. I see these people and uh, they all look as though they're part of that. Do you have jobs? Or are we funding you? Because if we're funding you, I want to take away your money very quickly. Because that's all they want to do now. They just want to go out and get drunk. I'm not saying nothing. there's anything the matter with that. But you can drink in, in moderation. Not to the point of people relieving themselves in doorways. You know, of, of cafes and stuff like that. And, and it, this goes on all the time. Absolutely appalling. It really is. But they're still out on the streets. And eventually, I suppose, they will drift off home. How they get home. I wouldn't want to be driving a bus at this time of night. Thank you very much indeed. If any bus drivers listening, let, let me know. What's it been like for you? Because I can imagine, it must be, can you imagine you get these drunks on the bus and they don't have the fare or they're not going to put their car... Are you going to just turn the engine off? Do you do that? Or do you go, all right, I'll just, I'll, I'll let you on the bus anyway because it's going to cause too much trouble? Because I should imagine at times, if you're a bus driver, the abuse you must get must be absolutely dreadful. Anyway, uh, lots of people off on holiday today because uh, still the schools are on holiday and uh, all the papers are doing the ultimate back-to-school survival guide, you know, so that people can... You know, this is what you have to pr- plan for. They seem to be off, uh, off uh, on holidays for ages and ages now. And the house prices, they reckon, will go up about time. They've been dropping in and around the London area. Obviously, in the, in the top end of the market, it's still very buoyant. 
and I think Country Life did a survey and said that still, you know, in the two million pound plus properties, it's still very active, the market out there. It's just when you come down to what I call the normal housing market, the 250,000s, Seems horrendous when you think about it, doesn't it? £250,000 for a flat. You go to Ealing, you go to Richmond, you go to Twickenham, you're hard pushed to find something at that price. A quarter of a million pounds. Small wonder that people say to me, uh, the money in London needs to be a bit more than the rest of the country because nobody can afford to buy anything. In fact, even people working in London, many people can only afford to rent, they can only afford to flat share. Because to actually get a mortgage, it used to be, what was it, you can get uh, three times your salary or at one point you could probably get four times your salary. Well, if you're only 30000 a year, you're only going to be looking at £120,000. And bearing in mind, you've got to pay it back. So you've actually got to find somebody to give you the mortgage in the first place. You try looking around London. 120000 doesn't get you a great deal. It really doesn't. Gets loads for Prince Harry. As they've decided to do the story on him today, what really happened on his big night out. Answer, Harry got drunk again. And when Harry gets drunk, he likes to party. Nobody apparently realised that it was him to start with. That's why the pictures that you saw yesterday in the papers, where you had Prince Harry who jumped into the swimming pool fully clothed and then sort of uh, dragged himself out again, people aren't really looking at him apart from who's that ninny who's just jumped into the swimming pool. Now, of course, they're all going, it's Prince Harry! Because we heard he took an easy jet flight. What how he got through check-in. Can you imagine? They formed all over him, as they do on... Do so you have to take his belt off? They charge him extra for his baggage. I like the idea, actually. I do watch the EasyJet programme. I do watch it. I do sometimes, I laugh at the, uh, at the hilarity of the people who are selling the tickets or checking people in. And they're quite adamant. If you haven't checked in by a certain time, they couldn't care less whether the plane is sitting there and there's no pilot. They're not checking you on. And the reason that they give is that uh, the pilot's not accepting any more passengers. And it's, I've always thought it was a bit... There has to be a bit of, bit of leeway on these things, a little bit of give and take. But unfortunately, for, for a lot of the EasyJet... That's why they make the TV programme, because so many people turn up late, and they actually uh, get there, and they go, sorry, sorry, it was awful because, um, because our, our train was delayed, or there was a hold-up on the motorway, or there was something like that. And at, at the end of the day, unfortunately, they won't let you on the flight. And so people stand there and people have arguments and they shout and they <laughs> scream at them. And the more they shout and scream, the more the staff, which is the most infuriating thing. If ever you had a conversation with, with, with somebody in a shop and you unfortunately for a moment lose your temper just a little bit, they walk away from you. I remember once I was talking to somebody at American Express and I'd had my card cloned in a garage because that's where the majority of credit cards are cloned, in garages, because most of the staff in garages are bent. OK, it's as simple as that. What they do is they're only in there for a short time and they double swiped. And I remember the guy double swiping it. And I remember thinking, why has he double swiped the card? Anyway, nothing happened for a month. And I quite clearly by that time had forgotten about it. And then they started using the card. And eventually when they'd finished, uh, because they got, the card got stopped, took American Express ages, they were very lax, they'd spent nine and a half thousand quid. And quite clearly, it wasn't me, they bought loads of booze, they bought loads of this and that and the other. And so then American Express declined my card. And I said, well, it's been cloned. You can see it's been cloned. Because they phoned me up and said, have you just bought some sports items? And I went, no, don't be so ridiculous. And, and then... Every t- they had to then go through the process of taking each and every item off the card. So until each and every item, you know, first of all, they'd phone me up and say, did you buy some sportswear yesterday? No, I didn't. Did you go to, uh, to Camden Market and spend £600 on booze? No, I didn't. So they, they would then cross them off after they actually checked out my story to make sure 
that I was telling the truth, which, of course, I was, because I never tell a lie. Well, not that often, unless it's absolutely necessary. And so this thing went through, but they wouldn't actually activate my card again, and I lost my temper. And, and I did use a rude word. And immediately, click, the phone went down. <laughs> because they're told, the moment somebody becomes abusive, put the phone down. You don't have to sit and listen to it. And, of course, that makes you even more angry. So when you phone up next time, you imagine you're just talking to somebody sitting by their desk and they're really concerned about it. They don't care about you at all. You're just somebody who's come up on a screen. They, they really could. They don't know anything about your circumstances. They just know that you haven't paid your card and that's it. But they'll be sitting in a room full of hundreds of people all talking. And that's why it becomes very infuriating for us as the customer and the consumer to sit there and think, you don't care about me, do you? You really don't care about me at all. And so that's why, in the end, I told American Express where they could put their little card and uh, never had it since. Never had it since. But I only wanted it, to be honest with you, for Flash. I only wanted it for Flash. I, had, I never had a green... I had a gold American Express card, and they were the most cloned cards for the simple reason that American Express uh, was, was not a, a credit card. You could spend whatever you wanted, provided at the end of the month you had the funds to pay it back. Otherwise, they got very angry, and it came out of your bank account. And then they offered me platinum. A platinum card. Well, of course, nobody had seen a platinum card. And to be honest with you, the gold one looked a bit better. Now I've just got an ordinary MasterCard. Makes no difference to me. I pay it off every month and try and sort of limit... You know, I just... I use it for, for sort of special occasions. I don't know what a special occasion would be, actually. What is a special occasion? Sort of birthday or something like that. But I, I, I tend not to sort of worry about... Because I've, I've been in trouble with credit cards before, as indeed probably have many of you. It's so easy. You think it's free money. And they go, and your credit limit is £6,000. On the American Express card, there was a £10,000 overdraft facility. You could spend up to £10,000. So I did. And that's when I got myself into trouble, because I wasn't earning enough money to actually pay it all back. And that's when the bank sort of come knocking on your door and say, would you like to come in for a little chat with us? And that's when you go, it's like going to see head teacher. Very embarrassing. Uh, Sherry Hewson. It's talking about the secrets of the Loose Women Axings. You'll laugh at this one, because when I, when I read that on the front page of the Mirror, the secrets of the Loose Women Axings, I thought, oh, has she got some insight? No, she doesn't have an insight. The insight for Sherry Hewson is that sometimes people lose their, their jobs in television. That's the secret of the Loose Women Axings. That is the basic, that, that's the basic hub of it, I'm afraid. It comes down to that, and, and, and that was, I was terribly disappointed. Terribly disappointed. I thought it was going to be something really, really interesting. She says here that um, these things happen every day in television. It's never personal. Of course, you feel that way when it's happening to you and it's a job you love. And that's the secret of the loose one. I mean, you know, she has done a load of stuff. She is mad as a barrel load of frogs. I've been out with, uh, with Sherry Houston for lunch at the Ivy. She is quite balmy, I'm afraid. But that's it. That, 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 that's the secret. People lose their jobs in television. All right? Like that? Speaker and Sally split hell. She's on OK TV tonight. Go away! Sorry, not you. Her. So sorry. Every time I see her, she annoys me so much. I, it just drives me insane. I couldn't... I've, I've, don't start me on this morning. Definitely not. Um, so at least, you know, we won't have to put up with her for too much longer, I hope. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Especially if you're a bus driver this morning. Especially if you're a bus driver. Have you had trouble on the buses this morning? It must make your job really difficult. Especially if you're a night driver. You know, all you really want is some nice, quiet people. And what are you getting this morning? The, the throwback after the Notting Hill Carnival. So uh, let's take a look at the news headlines and see what we're waking up to this morning. 
These are the headlines. Arrests are down on last year after the Notting Hill Carnival passed off relatively smoothly over the weekend. After the riots, extra police were on standby. One man seriously ill, though, after being stabbed. Four people have been arrested. At least 40 people are now known to have died in the US as Hurricane Irene moves into Canada. Five million people are still without power and some states are dealing with the worst flooding in decades. Bad news if you're trying to buy a house. Good news if you're thinking of selling. House prices could increase by a fifth over the next five years. The National Housing Federation says it's down to supply and demand. Here she is. She actually supplies the information you demanded of her. She's Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Good morning. We're starting with the M20. And Ian's got Esther Ranson looking at the papers this morning. But strangely enough, there, there, there is a story that is running on about five of the papers this morning. Yesterday was going to be the big day for Jessie Wallace. She was getting married. I say was getting married because hours before the ceremony, she had a flaming row with her uh, husband-to-be and it's all off. And so apparently he actually sent uh, an explicit sexy text to his ex... Uh, which seems a bit of a stupid thing to do. I mean, it's quite clearly not the brightest penny in the box. But anyway, uh, so it's all off. And so, literally, I mean, pe- people had turned up in all their finery and, and they were all looking forward to, um, to actually having a nice sit-down meal. I'm not sure if the meal went ahead. Apparently, she planned to dump him at the altar, but she was too distraught to do it. Because that would have been really... And especially if you'd had a photographer there to capture it. would have been absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And... Uh, <coughs> so that makes the front pages. Surprisingly, Colleen Nolan has offered advice to her and sort of said, listen, chin up. It's only just somebody jilting somebody at the altar, for God's sake. You know, she's an adult. It's not like she's a 12-year-old or something like that. Um, apparently, uh, now, what was it talking about? Somebody's done a review on, on Jedward in the house, in the Big Brother house, and saying there really is something the matter with them. They're not all there in the upstairs department. They quite clearly are just very badly behaved children. They obviously behave like this at home. They don't do washing up. They don't do cleaning. They don't do anything at all. They are, what we call in the business, bloody useless. <laughs> totally. Talking of useless, here is this situation, and a photographer captured it, of a, of a knife-wielding man. There are two pictures. There's one of him running away, holding a knife. Luckily, a passerby tripped him up. And uh, there are two police in riot uniform standing to the left, and the person who has just been stabbed is standing in the middle of the road and he's just about to collapse in front of them. And somebody captured this particular moment. The victim is in hospital in a serious condition. Uh, the armed man runs away, a hero shopper, with a camera in one hand and an M&S carrier bag, uh, stuck out his leg to trip him up. Three men have now been arrested on suspicion of GBH and the police took away a knife for examination. Six and a half thousand officers were on duty. Six and a half thousand. You have to ask the question, and I have to ask it, because I'm not sure. If there were no police around at all, if, if we just had a situation where, you know, I'm trying to think of a country where, where you just wouldn't have any police at all, you know, I don't know, can't think of anywhere. But if, if we said, i tell you what we do, let's, we're going to let everybody have their own thing, and we're not going to put any police on the streets whatsoever. Do you think that, that something would have happened? Do you think that rioting would have broken out? Or do you think people would be looting because they would go, oh, we can because there's no police? Or do you think that the police presence on the streets actually stopped anything? Because it was noticeable this morning coming into, into the building here because, A, Leicester Square was full of police officers. There were 20 standing outside the front door. I thought they were there for me. I got a bit excited, actually. So I got, got my pen out, ready to sign autographs, and uh, no, not a peep. And then down in Trafalgar Square, there were a load of officers standing there. But up and down the Charing Cross Road, this 
this uh, road that we overlook at the back here of the building, it was absolutely chock-a-block with people. I've got no idea. And as Jay Louise said, people around Charing Cross Station, you know, being sick and, you know, stumbling around in the road. It's really deeply unpleasant. Deeply unpleasant. But this, this photograph is very, very telling of a lot of people standing around to the person who's been knifed. We, we know for what reason not at the moment. It'll be one of these things. It'll be something so stupid. You know, like somebody wandered into somebody else's area. Because who goes to a carnival with a knife? And when you look at the size of this knife, it looks like a kitchen knife to me. It looks like a kitchen knife. They've blanked the fella's uh, face out. I don't know why. I'd quite like to see who it is who, who takes a kitchen knife. Uh, big brother, dreary old uh, baggage, I'm afraid, Sally Burko. Uh, they say here, uh, split fears after blazing row with Mr Speaker. I think she's embarrassed uh, John Burko, no end, I'm afraid. It's not up to us to tell people how to run their lives. I understand that exactly. But to be honest, this woman is a buffoon of the highest order. She's quite clearly so desperate. I shouldn't imagine it makes the slightest difference to her. Judging by what we've seen so far with her sticking two fingers up to the establishment, as she calls it. Very radical, dear. Very radical. And doing all this kind of... You know, but her trouble is her husband is part... And there's a... There is actually an advert. And and it's... Now, did it appear in the Daily Star? Or was it in the Express? Because, uh, oh, Richie Desmond. That's right. Here we go. There's a picture of Sally Burko. And it's got the Speaker of the House tonight, 625 OKTV. So, in other words, Sally Burko gets grilled by that prune that is Jeff Brazier and some other non-entity. I mean, you know, just give up, darling. You only went on a programme for a few days. You've not climbed the Himalayas. You've not hang-glided from Mount Everest. You went on a programme and you walked around and smoked cigarettes. That's all you did. Oh, and you swore a lot. Hope your children don't ever see that. It's very embarrassing when mother's got a potty mouth. It's not, not a nice thing to have, is it? And also the Speaker of the House. You know, be like Prince Charles going, you know, Prince Charles going, you big mother house, you know, I can't, can't imagine that they would ever do anything like that. Prince Harry, you could understand it, can't you? You could understand Prince Harry wanted to go into the Big Brother house. Now, that would be funny. So the Daily Star tell you that Kerry, I quit Big Brother. No, she doesn't. This is attention-seeking, uh, Kerry Katona. To be honest with you, love, you've, you've so had your day. You've so had your day. Although the, the bookies are predicting she wins. That's the bookies for those people who can be remotely bothered to go in there and go, who's going to win Big Brother? And they go, oh, I don't know. But, but it's, it's the people who are actually in there. There's not exactly much choice. And then, apparently, the latest twist to Big Brother... Oh, you're going to love this one. Can really upset people? Uh, because they've thought about it. And they're going to reveal how much each person's being paid to be in Big Brother. And apparently, Lucian never had to go. Uh, but he did apparently get quite close to Kerry Katona. I can only advise Lucian, stay well away from her, OK? You don't want to get involved with somebody like that at all. You, you know, unless you want to, of course, be famous, and I'm assuming, as you're in the Big Brother house, you're as desperate as she is, so uh, do whatever you like, love. Uh, Jedwood apparently have now had to dress up as babies, which kind of suits them, so they had to put nappies on the other day. And, th- and they actually took part in a, in a garlic-eating challenge and the two little 12 year olds uh, tell me uh, they put them in baby clothes which kind of figures actually because that's about their uh, their level i'm afraid um more on uh, jesse Wall- sorry jesse wallace just called off the word i mean it was the apparently she spent three hundred thousand on it oh, such a waste of money isn't it anyway the cake was delivered to her house afterwards and no doubt she shoved it in her face and had probably had a good time i should imagine but anyway she's heartbroken and she's set She's threatened to set her two dogs on her fiancé after calling off the... That's nice, isn't it? That's class act, isn't it? You love a class wedding, don't you? <laughs> I was talking of a class wedding. I was watching this morning. They, they were repeating on Channel 4 
as only they, they can, My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding, with Paddy Doherty on there. And Paddy Tarmac. And you couldn't understand a word he was saying. Not a word. And apparently uh, Paddy made all his money, we were told by the voiceover, uh, being a bare-knuckle fighter. I thought, yes, and how much tax have you paid, love? And then they, then they were showing some of these ghastly gypsy weddings where they sort of wear these... I think they're just traveller weddings. They're not gypsy weddings because gypsies don't dress like this because when you looked at Paddy Doherty's wedding to his wife, she was wearing a quite normal outfit. The bridesmaids were all quite normal. It's only recently it's become disgusting and vulgar. It's certainly not, not heritage or anything like that. It's a recent thing because the woman in Liverpool's only been making the dresses for about the past five to ten years. And so some of these ghastly creations... This woman in Liverpool was saying, you know, the, the girls send in a drawing... And the funny thing is, the girls seem to go to all, you know, all this, this time and trouble, whereas the grooms just look like they've just, they've just crawled out of the pub. You know, ties all over the place, not bothered to comb their hair, fag in one hand. And then one of them who was getting married, Sammy Joe, uh, was having her hair done, and hours before they were due to have the wedding reception, the hotel cancelled, because they'd worked out they were travellers. And the reason they didn't want them there is because fights always break out, because they're not used to sitting, you know, makes you wonder why they don't want to go and sit in a field and have it. You know, I mean, that makes makes perfect sense, doesn't it? If, if if that's what you like doing and that's heritage, well, then stick a marquee up in a field. I'm sure you could tarmac a field over in a very short space of time, put up a huge tent over it, and that'd be fantastic. Makes makes far more sense than sort of driving around in these uh, trucks. Because there was a, there's a couple in the paper today, and their pride and joy was a field which they've sown with all wild flowers. And it's happened around uh, around Richmond. There's a bit on... Richmond, just down from Old Deer Park, over the road from there, where the council put in... I don't know what they call it. It's just a field of wildflowers. It looks lovely. And they did it on a couple of places on the 316 heading out towards Sunbury. And it really looks lovely. And it's all these different colours and it's just marvellous. And so this couple had done it in a field. And it looks beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And people went there and they would give money to charity... Some bloke turns up with a tractor the other day, a red Massey Ferguson tractor, like we've all got one of those parked in the driveway, and massacres the entire field. He's got one of these grass-cutting things, and he literally cuts down all the hedges, everything. He goes completely berserk. And you think, you can't really hide a red tractor, can you? I mean, where would you get a red tractor from in this day and age? The other story that affects farmers at the moment, and I said last week and the week before, it's a big problem for farmers, sheep rustling. Sheep rustling. More stuff is now stolen from farms. Farmers have got to be extra vigilant. And one farmer went out the other day to discover that his prized herd of deer had been massacred. But they'd done it all on the field. So what they'd left him on the field were the heads and the hooves of his deer. They'd taken the rest of the carcass away, but they just literally massacred them on the field. He went out the other day. His sheep, the same thing happened. Sheep with bullet holes in them. Because there's, there's big money and things like that. You remember I told you the story the other day of the Natural History Museum out at Tring, and they had somebody breaking in to steal their, their uh, rhinoceros horn. Luckily, they changed it the day before, which was fantastic, because we're seeing lots and lots of thefts. This is LBC 97.3, news now at 5.30. I just love it when you have somebody on the X Factor and they turn out to have a history of crime. And But now it's all forgotten because they've turned their life around. Such was the case of Derry Menser, Britain's most useless mugger, they say. He took a phone call during the robbery and arranged to meet a pal, letting his victim know where he would be and when. When he turned up, the police were waiting and he was nicked because he robbed somebody's Rolex watch. I, I, I couldn't excuse anything like that at all. He apparently served nine months 
of an 18-month jail term. And uh, the friend lifted the lid on the star's terrifying days. See, already they're calling him a star. He's not a star. He was just one of the contestants on The X Factor. And apparently he used to dodge bullets in South London's bloody gang wars. Dear, what a hero this boy is. What a hero. But uh, he told how Derry had his jaw broken in a bust-up outside a youth centre. Oh, God. Well, probably in retaliation for nicking somebody's Rolex watch on a train, I should imagine. But uh, anyway, Derry had a great voice. Even in prison, people were impressed with his singing. I know, there's a lot of that going on in the showers, isn't there? A lot of la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-
Kai Rooney. Oh, dear. Still no sense of fashion, even at that age. But uh, they say he's got the striking looks from Dad Wayne. I'm not sure whether that's an insult or not. I'm not sure, to be honest with you, I'm not sure if they're just being rude. Uh, yes, he, Wayne does look like a bit of a baby. He say, they say here he's got the same piercing blue eyes, cheeky grin and button nose. Don't make me say it, please don't make me say it. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice about people today. I think I'm going to be nice to people on a Tuesday, OK? Not, not for the whole of the programme, but I just thought I'd, I'd sort of try it for about, about a minute. And to be honest with you, I'm bored with it already. I cannot be nice. You know, when, when we open up the papers every day. Do you think the, uh, the Notting Hill Carnival went well? If you went to Notting Hill Carnival, and I'm assuming that most people who actually went have got no recollection of it whatsoever, I'm afraid. It's off with the, the doolally people and the pixies. So how do you think it went yesterday? Was it right that the event went ahead? Do let me know. 84850. Steve at lbc.co.uk or lbc973. So, how do you think the Notting Hill Carnival went yesterday? Was it right that the event went ahead? Was it good? You know, apart from the, uh, the, uh, the one stabbing, there were about 280 arrests, I think, in total over the two days. Which, as far as I'm concerned, is 280 too many. I don't think there should be any arrests at all. But there again, you do get some pretty stupid people who are allowed out on the streets and they think it's OK to perhaps walk past a policeman smoking something or, you know, or pinch something or whatever else. And in the case of somebody being stabbed, well, that's, that's a, a completely different thing. So uh, do let me know. 84850steve-at-lbc.co.uk This uh, man who's been stabbed in Ladbroke Grove is in a serious condition in hospital. But despite that, the Met Police have said the event's been very peaceful... Small number of isolated incidents resolved quickly, and the early 7pm finish had a positive effect. More than 6,500 officers were on patrol. 214 arrests made so far, 12% down on last year. Uh, our reporter Declan Harvey walked the length of the carnival zone to see, after all the security concerns, how the day ended. Hey, phew. Thank God that's over. There you go. LBC reporter Declan Harvey braving the streets at the end of the Notting Hill Carnival. Liked all the little bit. I love that. Shh. It's all... T- not round here. Not round here, it wasn't. It was terribly noisy. So how do you think the Notting Hill Carnival went yesterday? Was it right that the event went ahead? 84850-LBC973. Uh, another one here. I had a platinum Amex card, and every time I tried to use it for a purchase over £1,000, it was declined. When I was in America, every time I used the store, it to ring for verification. Yes, I got the same. In America, because the trouble is they hadn't seen the British version. I think ours was launched before them, so you'd hand it over, thinking that they'd be sort of practically falling over themselves, and um, and they'd phone for verification. It took away all the fun of it, to be honest with you. It was more of a pain than anything uh, else. Uh, poor you with American Express, Steve. How horrible for you. Better off without one. I've never... Uh, I've never had one credit card. Don't ever want one. I've always survived on overdraft facility from the bank. I always... Uh, I have got an overdraft facility... With the bank. I don't know why I had it. We had it, I think, because at one... I can't remember why we had it. It was arranged that it was, it was something ridiculous years and years ago, but I never used it. And I do have a credit card now, but American Express card is not a credit card. It's a debit card. So if you want to spend £10,000 in a month, you can spend £10,000 in a month. Um, you've just got to pay it back when the bill comes in, all at once. It's not like paying a little bit back each time. They have different sorts of, uh, of, uh, of cards now. Gavin, Steve, nice, but dim. Steve, personally, I don't care about the carnival. There's always a stabbing. I'd like to see the end of it. Well, as I asked the question earlier on, who goes to carnival with a knife? Unless you're, you know, a particularly nasty sort of person. Uh, how much did it cost, Steve, to have 6,500 police read the Notting Hill Carnival? I would like 
to find out. I would also like to, to find out how much the policing costs. And is it paid for by us, or is it the Nottingham Carnival who contribute to that? Uh, Steve, Sally Burko, a rather stupid, desperate, ignorant woman. She has no class or intelligence or decorum. Her mouth, vile. Well, we've, we've heard swearing. It's just not very uh, nice at all. If you want to do something decent, do some charity work. Set up a charitable foundation. Exactly. There are loads of women who behave, you know, impeccably when they're actually doing charity work. She, she did give £100,000 to an autism charity. But uh, what, what she's doing is she's doing it under the guise of launching herself as a personality. It's a little bit of a backdoor kind of routine. So very nice that they've got £100,000. They're very grateful for it. But she's really thinking about herself. I think, all the time. But it's always been like that. That's what Ian Dale said yesterday. She thinks about herself. She, she just doesn't know the word no. She's, she's a little bit pushy. So we'll wait and see. I mean, I hope her career finishes very quickly and just goes back to being a mum, which would be quite nice, or gets out of that grace and favour apartment. Quarter to six. These are the headlines. A 20-year-old man's been stabbed in Ladbroke Grove during the Notting Hill Carnival. He's in a serious but stable condition in hospital. Four men in their 20s have been arrested. At least 40 people are now known to have died in the US as Hurricane Irene moves into Canada. Five million people are still without power, and some states are dealing with the worst flooding in decades. And average house prices in the UK will increase by a fifth over the next five years. That's according to a study by economists who also predict that just under two-thirds of us will actually own a home within the next decade. Check on the roads for you this morning. Jay Louise. Thank you, Steve. Well, it's already a busy start for the... M- Morning, everybody. Ten to six. Esther Ranson will be in. Esther Ranson will be in. Uh, she's on the front page of the Times this morning. I was abused as a child, apparently by a relative. She hasn't named the relative, although, to be honest with you, I'd much rather see the uh, the person named if they were abusing her at an early age. Her mother just sort of said, don't be silly, and just sort of brushed it to one side. But uh, she's kept it quiet for all these years, so perhaps she will talk more on LBC 97.3 this morning. Uh, question, Steve. Uh, why is there a running tally concerning the crime figures at Carnival? Is it done for any other large event? Yes, of course it is. It's done for every large event. Yes, what are you saying? Are you saying it's only done for, for Carnival? No, it's done for everybody. And also because there's always trouble at Carnival. It doesn't matter what the trouble is. Anywhere, anywhere where you have a, a large event like that, any sort of big organised thing, they do put out the crime figures, and every year there are crime figures for the Notting Hill Carnival. I mean, today you'll see a stabbing. I think last year there was a stabbing as well. Uh, the crime figures generally are down, but they always issue crime figures. Always. For anything like that. So the police can say there was a big police presence and, you know, 14 people were arrested, which is, you know, 300 less than last year or whatever it happens to be. So that's what it is. Very crowded, Steve Carnival. Everybody having a great time. Very peaceful. Lots of respect for the police and more security. I felt sorry for the lady that, that uh, we spoke to who had a load of jerk chicken left. She said, we didn't sell much yesterday. And I was thinking, well, today's wasn't yesterday's jerk chicken. Because she said she had enough for about 100 people. So well down. So I don't know whether or not people, people were not eating or they heard my programme yesterday saying, I'd like to know where the food comes from. I'm a bit funny about eating food in the open. You know, if, if it's somebody, if it, it's different if it's a barbecue. You've been there, and you've seen the food. But I'm, I'm not very good with eating. You know, if it's just somebody by the side of the street who's cooking stuff, you know, but you think, well, I don't know what your hygiene is like at home. I do get funny. Like it's like I'm, I wouldn't eat in any sandwich shop where they weren't wearing rubber gloves or plastic gloves. You know, anybody starts handling food drives me crackers. I'm afraid. Uh, same as yourself, love the airline program, says Paul. But sadly, none have been made since 2006. So all repeats. Maybe a quiet word with Jonathan Levi when he comes in next. He could give it a makeover. And after a success with Ronnie Corbett, I'm sure it would be a winner. Even just a catch-up show with the likes of Leo, who hasn't aged well, and the girls such as Jane and the girl who fought cancer. Katrina would be good. 
Yes, yeah, so Leo was always the odd one, wasn't he? We used to watch Airline, and Leo was the the one. He was in day camp, but he was straight. It was one of those odd things. He was. He's yes. He he was he was the one sort of the blonde hair. He looked a little bit like Tintin. He had a little sort of quiff at the front. He hasn't aged well, no, because we saw him in the papers only a short while ago. We mentioned him on the programme. He he really hasn't aged. I don't know. I think they were just sort of saying here are all the old airline staff. When you think about it, it's five years since he's appeared on screen. Mind you, we used to laugh at Jeremy Spake. Jeremy Spake was another camp one who worked at the airport and then turned out to have a Russian wife. Never saw her, but we know he had a Russian wife. And you mentioned Jean Alexander and Corius in her cut-glass accent. Did you know that Bernard Bunny Ewins, her screen husband Stan, was one of the first ITV announcers at Granada in 1956? He actually spoke more posh than Jean does. We've got a picture of my then five-year-old sister presenting some flowers to Bernard's real-life wife when they opened our church Christmas fair. And my sister actually sat on his knee. Oh, he says, I can't believe I've apparently missed a, a milestone in Jedwood's life, shown on fire the other night. They had their first shave, obviously, at the same time. I bet we can all rest easy after that. Well, it's a picture of the paper today. Unfortunately, they've started having food fights and they flooded the bathroom. They really are a most... It's, it's not funny anymore. They're just stupid. They're just very infantile. You could never put them on anything because they just behave like this all the time. It's not a case of driving you crazy. It's just you're dealing with, with some people who are not all there, I'm afraid, in the upstairs department. Kerry Katona... As dreary as ever, I'm afraid. And Amy Childs. Call anybody babe. Call anybody babe. Although, strangely enough, the only way is Essex bosses said they're glad to see the back of Amy Childs. They said because the beautician is a fake. Uh, they think that the living soap will be much better now that Amy is quick to go on Celebrity Big Brother. They say she was too obsessed with becoming a celebrity and no longer a real Essex person. Oh, she's totally fake. Totally fake. But they're all like that on the programme. There's, no, there's, there's nobody different on there. They're all fakes and they're all desperate to be famous. There's a, there's a picture here of, of Arge. This is the uh, the fat bloke out of it. And his name is um, Arge. That's what the James Arge Argent, because he's really fat. And strange enough, they've got a picture of him here out. And yet in the other paper, they've got a picture of him in Marbella eating at a TGI Friday's where he had the chicken, the ribs and loads of other things at the same time. But he's as fat as a house and he's supposed to be losing weight for the new series. Sadly for the Arge, it's not to be, I'm afraid. And of course, we're all heartbroken that um, that Mark and Lauren have broken up. Not that we ever thought they were together, were we? I think, actually, there was, there was more chance of Mark going with anybody else. But, again, his career's gone nowhere. I thought by now he'd be presenting programmes or, or offered the opportunity of being in something else, but uh, it's not there, is it, for him? And I suppose the, the real reason it's not there is because he doesn't do it. They, they get paid 50 quid a day for being in the programme. And they then started attacking it, you know, saying, we're worth more than 50 a day. And somebody said, no, you're not. You're just extras. You're not actors. You're just extras, you know, you, you get the same as you would if you were if you were going to be doing jury service. So they just pay them £50 a day. And, of course, the spin-offs are amazing. And it's quite easy, you know. I mean, Amy Chart, where do you put her after this? You know, there's a limit to how many times you can stick her on a show and she goes, yeah, babe. And it starts being, you know, I've got a five-year-old that can speak better, I'm afraid. So we, we, we have to see the end of her. Lynn says, I don't like waking up in the dark to go to work. Not even change the clocks yet. That was our summer, Steve. Soon be Christmas. I got my snow globe out yesterday. I got the snow globe out and I put batteries in it and it stays on for five minutes. You push the button and it's a silver Christmas tree and the snow swirls. That's wonderful. It's quite wonderful, actually. Quite nice. So I, I like it. Have Take that split up again, says Lynn. I couldn't care less, but the rumours arrive. They, they've said that they're not going to tour 
for a couple of years. And so they'll all go off and do their own projects. Gary's very busy at the moment. And, uh, and I should imagine two of the other boys, Howard and, and Jason, will probably, I don't know, get knitting machines out and make sort of jumpers or something. I don't know what they do. And Mark will sort of stay with the family. They must have made enough money from the tour to better relax and put their, their feet up. So I, th- I think that's quite nice. They just they don't want to tour. Everybody else is touring, aren't they? I think you're going to be seeing very shortly five, six, seven, eight. Steps are coming back for a, a re... Who on earth will want to watch them? No, I don't think we need Steps. I, th- I think that would be a big mistake. We thought we wanted E17, but that didn't work too well either, did it? I think, think best, best sort of left. Although I did bump into the lead singer... Uh, Tony's daughter the other day. She's grown up. Because when they were younger, they were absolutely stunningly beautiful. We bumped into one of them at um, Northweald Market, because they know my family. Um, Tony Mortimer's daughter... His children. Oh, no, he's 17 with the ugliest group going. Good grief, no. I mean, they really were... They were desperately unattractive. I don't think I've ever seen a group with so many unattractive people. Tony was fine, but the other ones... Oh, one of them looked like Shrek. One of them drove his car round a corner backwards... Uh, one of them had two earrings and looked like something out of The King and I. They were all very... They really were unattractive. <laughs> well, the more I think about it, the more unattractive I think they were. They were absolutely dreadful. His daughters, I saw them at a birthday party that uh, that uh, Charlotte went to. Beautiful. Beautiful. I cannot tell you how beautiful as children they were. It's funny you get that, don't you? You sort of get... And then they sort of grow up a little bit and they and they look a little bit different. And she did look a bit different. She has, she has grown up, though, with their, their mum... Uh, it was you know, really nice, but the daughters were stunning. I remember all I said in the car on the way back to Sharon was, what stunning children. So polite, so so just beautiful. You know, you see, and you know, all, all mothers say the same, oh, my, my child's gorgeous, you know, this baby's... And you look at it and you think, no, it's not. It's really unattractive. Uh, but you don't like to say that to them. But these were gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous children. Uh, thank you to Ray and Barking Side. He says, uh, it's after the excellent recent an- album from Glenn Campbell, Ghost on the Canvas, it's turning into a good time for us oldies. Don't ever say that. Because Doris Day has got a new album out, her first recordings, for 17 years. He says, um, it's coming out on the 5th of September. I did mention it before on the programme. I did say that Doris had an album. People were saying, but she's 80-something. I went, yep, she is, but she's gone back in the studio Back in the studio, and uh, there's a new album out. Are there enough fans out there to uh, to push it? I shall have to listen to it. You can listen to tracks of it on, on Amazon. I might have to do it, because I, I liked Doris Day. I liked all the films, and I've started watching all my old Christmas films again. You see, I've got the snow globe out, and I'm, I'm doomed, I'm afraid, after that. There's not a lot I can do. Not a lot I can do. Uh, Steve, uh, we were in Grenada Corner. Very peaceful, loved it. Haven't been for five years. The bad thing is the music stopped. At seven o'clock, yeah, that was the um, that was the stipulation that the carnival went ahead that they were not going to have the sound systems on after seven. And what happened was people just came into into London. Uh, it, I didn't think it was actually that that noisy in London. It was just lots of drunk people, I'm afraid. Um, Vandal says Patricia Philistines. That one with the Massey Ferguson was probably from the from the uh, from the local authority. They keep destroying the wildflower meadows and cut down my willow. Dreadful vandals. But this is, a, this is a couple who have this beautiful field full of all these wild flowers and everything else. And then this bloke comes in, and, a, and where you get a tractor from, I've got no idea, and just decimates the whole lot of it. All, all their trees are down, their hedges, all these wild flowers. You know, all right, so they'll grow back next year. But it doesn't matter, though, does it? Anyway, uh, what we'll do, we're heading towards the news at 6 o'clock this morning on LBC. How do you think the Notting Hill Carnival went yesterday? If you went... 
and you're in a fit state to be compass mentors and to get near your computer or uh, with your telephone, why don't you send us uh, a text or an email? Was it right that the event went ahead? 84850-LBC973. So how do you think the Notting Hill Carnival went yesterday? News at 6 is next. On FM, online and... Morning, everybody. Tuesday morning, back to work today. Many people getting up and probably going away on holiday and many people going, oh, my head hurts, after the Notting Hill Carnival yesterday. Did you go? What was it like? The uh, number of arrests were, were down. There was a stabbing, unfortunately. Three people are currently being questioned by the police. But uh, did you go? Was it, was it better that the sound systems closed down at 7 o'clock at night? Uh, 84850 uk. And, uh, and Tony says, I noticed most of the riot police units covering the carnival were non-Met police units, but from Wales and Scotland, also others out of London, the police units, so I want to thank them. I think because they, they called everybody in, didn't they? It was, it was one of those cases. But do you think it made a difference, actually having that big police presence on the streets? Do you think it made for a better carnival? Because, I, I, to be honest with you, I've never seen so many police. I really hadn't seen that many police. Certainly not the... I don't remember it being like this uh, last year, but uh, with um, Ian Dale this morning, who's in for Nick Ferrari... Uh, following this successful Notting Hill Carnival, Ian will be asking if it's proof that high-visibility policing works and would Londoners be prepared to pay the extra cost in order to keep them on the streets? Would you... I'd pay extra. Wouldn't you pay extra? I mean, I don't want to see tons of police hanging around on street corners. I remember the first time I went to Austria and I got off the plane. As you walk through, they they had armed police at the airports. Armed police at the airports. And... uh, and that, that was the first time I'd seen it. And the police presence this morning. I, w- <clears throat> I really want to see more police on the streets. I'm sure everybody wants to see more police on the streets. And I don't mind, excuse me, paying a little bit for it. I don't have a problem with that at all. If we can get enough people. I thought they were, they were actually cutting back on the police. So where they're going to get them from, I've got no idea. That's coming from Wales and Scotland and Ireland. And as the head of the British Bankers Association says it's time for the banks to pay back the taxpayer rather than focus on reforms, could we soon see the return of billions of pounds we spent on bailing them out? All of that, and Esther Ransom will be looking through the papers today. She'll be doing the, uh, the, the insides and no doubt commenting on the front page story on The Times. I was abused. Esther talking about the, uh, the shocking truth that she's held on to for ages and ages and ages. And so no doubt she'll be talking about that a little bit later on today. Uh, other stories of the paper, well, apart from the, the pictures of people at the Notting Hill Carnival, a lot of people, for some reason, wearing very little, I've noticed. <laughs> a lot of people seem to wear very little clothes. And I can't remember what the weather was like. Uh, should the carnival have gone ahead? Yes, definitely, Steve. Everybody came out to enjoy themselves. It's the only time of the year people from all over can embrace their culture. Uh, great carnival, very crowded, everybody having a, a lovely time, Steve. Yes, definitely should have gone ahead. And, uh, and it did. And the, and the kids' carnival as well, which was on the Sunday, the children's event. Did that go well? I do hope so. Brian says, I'm not at all surprised at the Jedwood pair in the Big Brother house dressing up as babies. It mirrors their mentality. They should take a cue from Andy Pandy and disappear into their baskets, preferably for good. Yes, I think we'd all say uh, yes to that one. They're, they're, just, they're just very silly, I'm afraid. <laughs> just very silly. And then there's, a, there's another story in the paper today about a cow in Bavaria. It was on the way to the abattoir and it escaped. And uh, as usual uh, in these cases, they, they, they sort of look, they go, well... It must be God who's, who's freed it, so they've allowed it to roam free in, in the meadows in Bavaria. They've said, uh, we were going to originally go out there and shoot it, but now we've decided not to. So that's good. That's good, isn't it? They do have somebody there with a tranquilizer gun, just in case it gets a little bit out of hand. But at the moment, it's being allowed to roam free. We have that before, haven't we, where we've had 
uh, animals on their way to the abattoir and they've managed to break free. And uh, I think we had the pigs and we've had all sorts of other animals. They've said, oh, let them go free, let them go free, go on, let them enjoy themselves. There's some poor little boy in the paper today. Now, you, you might have sympathy, you might not, because I was somewhere the other day and all I could hear was this kid screaming, screaming for no reason. Just screaming. I think kids sort of scream. And then they amaze themselves with how loudly they can scream. So they do it again. And the mothers just totally ignore them. But this is the parents of a four-year-old boy. They've been threatened with a fine of £5,000 if they don't stop the noise that he makes when he's playing in the garden. Simon and Pippa Lansell received a noise abatement notice over their son Alfie, who likes playing football and romping with the family dog. Now, they say Alfie can be noisy and boisterous, but he's just a normal child. We're not sure who's made the complaint, but the neighbours we've spoken to are absolutely disgusted by it. It's a summer holiday, for goodness sake. Well, it'll be one of the neighbours. So, for this way, you know, they both... So, you've checked either side and they've gone, well, it's absolutely outrageous, Council have written to you. It'll be one of them. They'll be like... They're not going to stand there and say to you, I reported your son because he's very noisy and we like it quiet in the garden. The letter came from Hull City Council... And they say the allegation of noise nuisance relates to a child screaming or playing in garden. The complainant, who has not been identified, has been asked to keep a record of times when Alfie's playing causes a nuisance. The tr- he's four. I mean, I know it can get a little bit irritated. What do you do about a four? Shh, shh. Because kids just think it's funny. They, just, they do want to scream and they would, you know, if they were playing with a dog or kicking a ball, they would scream quite naturally. So the council have said, I mean, it's a four-year-old. I don't really know how you... Would you, would you put a gag over him or something or just make sure he stays in all the time? I don't think it's possible, but it'll definitely be one of your neighbours. It will, it will be one either side. It's, it, it's not going to be, I'm afraid, uh, somebody who lives way down the road. It's actually going to be somebody who, who lives next door to you. But they're just not telling you the truth, I'm afraid. David Walliams is going to be swimming 140 miles of the Thames. He likes his long-distance swimming, does David? He's very good at it. He's going to be doing it for charity. He says most people in the UK know the Thames and most people think the idea of swimming in it is horrifying. Well, it's a lot cleaner than it ever used to be, let me tell you. In the days when, down at the House of Parliament, Sally Burko would have been stitching the curtains, which were slaked with lime to keep the smell from the Thames out because it became the place where dead bodies floated up and down. It was just, it was just disgusting. It was a bit like the River Fleet, which ran down the middle of Fleet Street... And uh, people would open their windows and chuck everything out. And by everything, I mean everything. Out into the street below. So, Lord help you. You know when you see all these lovely, these lovely films about Dickens London and people crossing the road? They would have been filthy. They would have been filthy. There have been people out there who are having to sweep up the streets. But the streets of London would have been terrible. Absolutely terrible. It, it would have been the kind of place where, you know, you wouldn't have a, a nice posh dress to be wearing. That's why it makes me laugh when you see some of these uh, period and costume dramas on the television, because you think, I know what it would have been like. It would have been absolutely terrible. Uh, it's Eid today, of course. It's Eid. We've had Ramadan, and now we've got Eid. And Eid is where a lot of people will be eating lots of food, and all the boys in the East End, mainly in the East End, will be getting out some very flash motor cars and driving around. This is the time when a lot of Asian boys like going out and renting Lamborghinis, and they like renting out... Uh, Bentleys. So Ali told me this morning, he said, Bent- I said, not serious, really. They get renting Bentleys. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. All the flash cars. And for a brief moment in time, you can sort of pretend that, uh, that it's, it's your car. LBC 97.0. Morning from 10. He's back from his holidays and Nick's off. 
on his holiday. So, Ian Dale in uh, this morning. Weather forecast for you for today, Tuesday, issued at 0545 this morning. A sunny start for most areas, becoming cloudy. The high 18 degrees, same as yesterday. Currently it's 14. Pollen forecast is moderate. Tonight, staying dry throughout the evening and night. Good deal of cloud generally. Tomorrow, another dry day. Good deal of cloud at times, but some sunny intervals. The high... 20 degrees centigrade for Thursday, cloudy with a risk of showers. Friday, sunny intervals with a high of 23. And Saturday, sunny intervals with a high of 22. So uh, it's not actually too bad. So happy Eid to everybody today. Enjoy all the food. I like the idea of everybody renting cars and pretending it's there. It's a very popular pastime. I did not see Coach Trip yesterday, which returned. Um, no, Was it good? Was it up to the, up to the usual standard? Oh, was it? Oh, dear. They have a different person doing the voice, don't they? Is it? Oh, it's Comedy Dave, is it? Very funny. Uh, not. Sorry. Uh, I went to Carnival yesterday, Steve. I thought I'd try the jerk chicken. Seven pounds for a leg of chicken. I wouldn't pay that. They outpriced themselves. It's probably all those spices. I don't even know what spices they put on jerk chicken. I, d- I agree with you, though. Seven pounds. I mean, you can buy a box of chicken for that. In fact, you can probably buy about two, two or three chickens in the supermarket. Uh, Steve, using police forces from other parts of the UK for the Carnival. In Scotland, the police have different powers than the English police. Um, is it just for getting police numbers on the streets? Certainly was for that. Actually, talking of, uh, of getting people on the streets, I did turn on the television yesterday and I did watch the uh, Edinburgh military tattoo. Fantastic. Really fantastic, as always. They do it really brilliant. And I, I remember thinking to myself, watching it, one year I must go up to Edinburgh and watch the tattoo. I've been to Edinburgh on holiday. It's beautiful. I've been to Glasgow when it was, when it was terrible and then Glasgow when it was nice after being voted European City of Culture. And then Edinburgh I went to. Completely different Edinburgh. It's all a little bit twee and lots of Americans walking around in, in kilts and going okay to each other and, you know, can we have the family tartan and stuff like that and everybody eating shortbread. But uh, I did go around the castle to watch the military tattoo. It's fantastic. It really was good. If you missed it, you missed a treat. You missed a treat. They even did the uh, the gun carriage thing, sort of in, in part, it has to be said. But but uh, it was really good. Very, very good and well done. As a mere Mancunian, says Paul, can I make a couple of points? I did come down to Carnival about five years ago, and did enjoy it. Sadly, we did see the odd idiot either lighting up something they shouldn't be or somebody trying to pickpocket. Having said that, it was nothing more than you would really expect to see at any large public event. We have a very large Caribbean carnival in Manchester, which is hugely successful. The only difference being it's held in Alexandra Park. And because of this, do you think any trouble is negligible? So if you said before, it may not be a bad thing if yours was also held uh, on one site. And just to reassure your listener, all large events are policed and records kept. I find it so sad, and so do many of my friends, that somebody always tries to put the cat among the pigeons and say it's an issue with this, that and the other. Within ten minutes on Anthony's show, somebody said it last night and was put in their place by the listeners. Enjoyed Declan's sound bites and wondered, could you answer me two questions? What version of the party's over did you use? <laughs> oh, dear. And listening to your traffic, traffic reports, excuse my ignorance, but where is the sun in the sands? Is it a pub or a local landmark? I don't know what it is either. They do talk about the sun in the sands, don't they? Do they talk about the sun in the sands? What is it? Oh, right. Amanda used to talk about it. What is it? Do we know what it is? She doesn't know what it is either. We'll ask, we'll ask Jay Louis the sun in the sands. Perhaps it's a roundabout or something. I don't know. Yes, I think it's a, I think it's a roundabout. I'm hoping so, anyway. Uh, Bridget says, when I looked last night, yesterday's podcast wasn't available. Was it there? Was there a podcast for yesterday? Could you ask someone to upload it, please, as I missed the last hour at the dog show? It is a roundabout. Hey! Is, is the podcast up from uh, from yesterday as well? Yes, it is there. She said, Jedward are horrible. There's something very unpleasant about them. I, d- 
I can't put my finger on it. We, we said this from the moment they went in. I thought, we, we knew they were going to be irritating, but they're not just irritating, they're, they're just, there's no, no discipline at all. Quite clearly, their parents have not disciplined them ever, and they've been allowed to behave like, like just very stupid people. Just, just very irritating, stupid people. Uh, other stories in the papers uh, today. The, uh, the Telegraph. I've got on the front page uh, Gaddafi. Um, cradling a baby. They think, actually, it's a, it's a grandchild of his. And uh, the BBC pay £32.5 million a year to workers who get two weeks' notice of shifts. Were you to operate a system like that as well at LBC? It was operated by the ACTT, and I think it operated, if somebody will have to correct me, but I'm sure it operated the same at TVAM. And I think the electricians, I think one electrician earned something like £60,000 in a month. And the reason it was done is because we had a system here. So, for example, uh, we used to have a, a team of engineers and they would sit there. And if they were called out at short notice, then they got their rate times two, times four, times six or whatever it was. So the shorter the notice, the more they upped the money. So the system used to operate that they would automatically call somebody late so that they would get times three, or whatever it happened to be. And obviously the same operates at the BBC. The money is paid to staff whose hours of work are deemed unpredictable because they get only two weeks' notice of shift patterns. They show that staff at the corporation can earn an extra 10% of their salary as a bonus if they're told of their hours of work 14 days in advance. Those signed up to receive a week's warning of their shifts get an extra 20%. The BBC say 8,323 staff received the pay supplement, also known as flexibility allowance. Absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? So two weeks' notice of doing something, and they end up with, with that much money. But as I say, it used to operate here. It used to operate here, and people would... I think what they, they used to... The boys would phone up somebody and say, listen, uh, we need you on shift tonight. We, we'll call you later. And they would leave it for the hour. And so they, sometimes they would actually get, you know, quite a bit. There's also a pub called The Sun in the Sands. The roundabout's probably named after that. But it, 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 is, it is a roundabout. How wise of you to know that. How, how You can guess these things, can't you? And at The Sun in the Sands, there's a lot of traffic. It's not going to be a Wendy house, is it? I think it's highly likely it's going to be something a bit more exciting. Sun on the front page, they've got uh, Laddie Gaga and Lady Goo Goo. And this is Beyonce, who's announced she's pregnant. And uh, Lady Gaga turned up dressed as a bloke. Actually, quite convincing. I didn't know yesterday what we were looking at. I was watching on, on Sky, and I kept seeing this, per- this bloke, thought it was a man, and I had no idea it was Lady Gaga. It didn't mean a, a thing to me at all, I'm afraid. Uh, now I know it's, it's Lady Gaga. I think it's terribly clever. Terribly clever. Uh, Britain's rivers are the cleanest they've been for 20 years. Hence David Walliams preparing to swim down the Thames. And good luck to him for that one. He's obviously got far more strength in his body. LBC's uh, reporter Kevin Murphy was a long distance. He used to swim the Channel. Now, nothing on earth would ever get me to swim the Channel. Victoria Wood did a great sketch on it where she sort of went down to the beach, covered herself in goose grease, and then just set off into the, the cold, murky waters. Now, that frightens me, you see. I mean, I'd be too worried about what was down there. If I can't touch the bottom... You know, I, I don't want to swim anywhere. I'm not very good at that kind of thing. There's somebody who's also not very good at things. She's a horrible person. Her name is Stacey Matthews. Stacey Matthews was a care home worker. There's a grinning picture of her in the uh, sun today. We've just jailed her. She stole off the people she was paid to look after. And uh, not only did she steal their, their jewellery, but uh, two of these women had dementia. And she went and sold it. When she knew there was uh, danger of her being caught out, she went back to try and get the jewellery back, but it was too late. 
They'd sold it on. Uh, she has children, and um, she's now spending four months in prison. What a despicable thing to do. I mean, we, we read these stories in the papers, and you do hope, don't you, that you know there might be a caring side to them, but uh, apparently not in this particular instance. And why you should not go to a, a theme park, but go to a castle. I said yesterday, people must be listening to this programme all over the place, because I said yesterday, go to a castle. Far more fun, far more fun to go to a castle, and it's proper history. It's not sort of pretend history. Which you can, I mean, theme parks are good. Don't, don't get me wrong, I, I like a good theme park, same as, uh, same as the next person. But if you go to a castle, it's a real thing. And there's quite a few around Essex which are good. It's a pub on a roundabout in Blackheath, Steve. It's a pub now closed, says Ryan. Sun in the Sands, it's a pub on a roundabout on the A2. Sadly, like many pubs, now closed down, says Jean from Lee. Oh, dear. Why do pubs close down? I mean, I understand. I understand. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I understand that they close because there's no customers. But why are there no customers? Have areas changed so much that all of a sudden pubs don't open up? And they sit there. And I know that the rents that are charged by some of the breweries are astronomical. And I know it's terribly, terribly difficult for people probably, to, even even around the Twickenham way. And we've got loads of pubs. I mean, we absolutely have loads of pubs. I mean, I don't know which would be the most successful, whether or not it's the Barmy Arms uh, or the Three Kings has just opened up now with the ex-landlord of the Eel Pie. And uh, that apparently is doing quite well. A little bit expensive, somebody said. And that's the, that's the danger that's why somebody pointed out earlier on at the Notting Hill Carnival, £7 for some jerk chicken might put people off. And if they sold it all last year, they think we can make loads of money this year. And you do sit there. I've, I've done that before. where I've priced everything up and I thought, if I sell all of this, I've made £100. And then when you don't, you think, oh, it doesn't seem as exciting, does it? But £7, we thought, for jerk chicken was a, was a wee bit too much money. Uh, thanks to you, my partner and I had a wonderful weekend. Says Steph, we went on a blue badge evening tour of Jack the Ripper. Yes, which was fabulous. We also spent the time before at the London Museum and afterwards climbed the steps of the monument, 211. We will definitely go on another Blue Badge tour. Great way to see parts of London and listen to the history of it. Thank you. Will this be with Diane Burstein? Because she's doing... uh, She's got another one coming up this coming Sunday. And uh, this is for European Jewish Heritage Day. And it's called From Bagels to Brady Street. Or from Bygles to Brady Street, with a special visit to the Brady Street Cemetery, which is locked up, but they're opening it up specially. And uh, this one, you will explore the east of Brick Lane with Blue Badge Guide Diane Burstein and Rachel Kolsky, surrounded by the wonderful taste and smell of bagels, the sights and sound of the street markets and designer stores. You can really feel the memories of the Jewish community flooding back. Now, the tour ends with this treat, the closed cemetery of Brady Street, celebrating its 250th anniversary and opening up specially for the tour. Now, all these tours are £10 a person, and all you need to do is just turn up. Where do you turn up? 2.30 next Sunday, the 4th of September, at Shoreditch High Street Overground Station. So you just turn up. You'll see a group of people standing there. They'll, 90% of them will be LBC listeners. They'll be saying, do you hit Steve Allen mentioned this. We decided to come on another one of, of Diane's tours, and you'll have a very nice time, and it's educational at the same time. So it's £10. You just pay on the day. Just turn up, clutching a little £10 note or 10 coins. She doesn't care. She'll take anything. And um, and you meet at 2.30. Make sure you're there early because they, they set off. And because they've got two blue badge guides, there's enough to cope with, uh, with the crowds. And loads of our listeners have been on these walks and absolutely love them because it's a way of getting to know the capital, getting to know the history. And at the same time, it'll be something to tell people after. You say, you see that there? I know what that is. I spent ages, having used Diane for ages on the programme, going round London, pointing out things to people and saying, you know what that is? And they go, no. I said, I know. I know what that is. Especially in Bedford Square, and I've seen them in, in Grosvenor Square as well, outside the big houses, these trumpet-shaped things by the front door. And, uh, 
And I, I always say to people, you know what that is? And they go, no. I say, I know. I know what that is. It's a trumpet outside the front door for the little boys who used to run in front of the carriages with their flaming torches. When they got to the front door, they would hold the torch there and then they would push the torch into the trumpet, which would extinguish it, and then they would wait for the person to come back out again. So that's what it is. And they're still there. They're still there. So it's absolutely fantastic. So now you know, if you go on a Blue Badge tour, you'll end up learning all about things and you'll be, you'll be a much better educated person. You're listening to LBC 97.3. The news now at 6.30. Morning, every Steve Allen's early breakfast, LBC till 7. Ian Dale in all this week for Nick Ferrari. You heard him yesterday. I was doing breakfast on Bank Holiday Monday. Uh, everybody else was out at the Notting Hill Carnival, but obviously not buying as much as the food, as we heard from Declan earlier on. If you went, was it good? Was the food a bit overpriced? People can get greedy on things like that. You would think on the second day, if you haven't sold much first day, then you reduce the price for the second day to try and shift it. Nothing worse than standing there with sort of a load of food, because people tend to walk past you. That's the trouble. If, they, you know, if you see loads of people around a store, we went to the market down at... Um, uh, wherever it is, Essex, a uh, short while ago, and the busiest food stall was the Indian one, and they were doing wraps with chicken tikka and everything else, and it was really, really good value. And they were the only ones who had a big queue. You know, the, 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 the traditional chips and horrible manky-looking burgers and sausages, which looked like they'd been sitting there for days. Nobody was going anywhere near. Everybody was eating all the Indian food, so we did, and it was delicious, absolutely delicious, to have a nice kebab, which I think was £3.50. £3.50. You remember we went to the Essex show and had the most ghastly chips. I thought it was very good for a wrap. And we had two portions of chips and two of something else. And it was £16. A total rip-off. Total rip-off. If anybody else tells me that the sun in the sands is a roundabout, I shall throw myself out the window. Uh, And Ray and Barkingside, coach trip, poor start, he said. Bunch of northerners in London. Oh, dear, how ghastly. A duck tour and pie and mash. Very dull. The party's over by Doris Day. And pole dancing less. Oh, dear. You see, the trouble is, I think it's another one of those programmes that's lost its way. Because in the beginning, it was so good. You could, Sometimes, you know, you, you get so far, and then they push it a little bit further. And to be honest with you, a bunch of northerners, we don't like them. We don't talk to northerners. They don't talk to us. It's very pretty up in north, you know, north of the, the country. But, you know, a duck tour and pie and mash. Like, that's what Londoners eat. You know, and pole dancing. They must have a very poor opinion of us, I'm afraid. Although I've just decided, she just, I just said to her next door, I said, um, we're actually going to go Euro Millions crazy again because it's up to 86 million. And so she said, how much would you give me if you won? Because she, 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 she's quite blunt and direct about it. There's no, there's no messing about. I mean, she will have recorded that, that conversation and it will be used in court. There'll be no two ways about it. I remember having a producer years and years ago and he said, he said if, you, if you won some money on the lottery, would you give me some money? And I said, yes, probably. And I got this horrible feeling it was going to come back and haunt me years later. That if ever I did win, that, yeah, he's going to say, I, I, I only knew you briefly, but you did promise me some money, and here's a recording of it. So she said to me, she said, if, if you won, I said, if, if I won, I'd give you, I'd give you £50,000. And then I thought better of it, and I thought, if you won £86 million, not only would you be giving generously to charity, but I'd probably up her money to 100000 She got a bit excited by this. I could see her pushing record and play on her little hidden thing. And, uh, and so she obviously thinks she's in for £100,000, which she is. If I get, you know, I promise you, if I win £86 million, she can have 100000 There's no two ways about it. And she said, that would just sort her out fine. I said, let's face it, I will have £86 million. I don't know what you'd do with it. Apart from go, whoopee, <laughs> jump, jump up and down a few times, <laughs> which would make you feel a lot better about it. Dear Steve, the son of the... It's around... Thank you. <laughs> 
Everybody's <laughs> telling me about it. It's a, oh, somebody sent me in a picture as well. Jeremy sent me in a picture. Oh, right. Oh, not surprised it closed down. It looks horrible. Doesn't look like my sort of place at all. Although, do you know, I do like a pub. I'm always amazed that the little pub in Coronation Street has survived. It hasn't had a makeover and called the Slug and Lettuce, you know, in, in wherever it is. So that's it. It's on Shooter's Hill in Blackheath. Lovely. <laughs> Poor soul, honestly. Probably find the landlord is listening from it. Uh, the smoking ban hurt pubs, says Jason, as does cheap booze available for home consumption. My favourite Pimlico pub, the Clarendon, just closed. Shame. They did a sensational Sunday roast. I know, that's, that's the thing about pubs. They've really got to push the boat out, haven't they now? You're right, it's cheap booze. Do you think the, you seriously think the smoking ban affects people? I, was, I only ask, because I went to the opening of a, of a pub the other day. The Three Kings has just been done up, and uh, we went there, and it's all strip wooden floors, and it looks lovely. Uh, and you can smoke outside. I d- does, does the smoking inside affect people? I know we see people huddled outside buildings, every, even round here. You see people huddled outside the building having a quick cigarette under an awning, especially if it rains, because if you are a smoker. But I'm totally convinced that smokers do not give as much of their time as people who don't smoke. I don't go and stand outside under an awning. So uh, perhaps we should do time and motion on it. But a lot of people are actually saying that it's, it's the smoking ban that's killed pubs. I think it's the prices. I think it's the prices. Gone are the days. I mean, how that pub in Emmerdale survives, I've got no idea. Like, that's really getting good now. I'd forgotten. I'd said yesterday how good the storyline was. They've really upped the ante. You know, so much so that it's, it's worth watching at the moment. There's so much going on. The abortion issue has been raised. Again, this was filmed six weeks ago as the government come to discuss it, and it was discussed by Ian Dale yesterday. And I said to him, the, uh, this is one of the storylines running where Kane Dingle in Emmerdale, who's a bit of a lowlife, a bit of a tea leaf, has got a young girl pregnant... And uh, he's given her money to go and have an abortion. And she's, she's been to the clinic. The woman started discussing it with her, went out of the room, and both the girls left. They said, no, I don't want to do it now. We're not going to have a termination. So they're, they're very up-to-date. And you've got then somebody discovering that his wife had a one-night stand, and now the daughter that he thought was his daughter isn't his daughter. It's, I tell you, it's, it's really it's kicking off in the Dales, you know. Kicking off. Probably not much better over in, uh, in Coronation Street. <laughs> 84850. I saw a surreal carnival site yesterday, Steve. 30 big burly officers drafted in from Durham Constabulary in case of trouble, sitting in the canteen at Kingston Police Station in riot gear, all watching the cartoon movie The Incredibles. How nice. What were you doing in the police station? I didn't know they had a police station. Did they have one in Kit? Where is it? I didn't know where that one is. Ian in Bedfont says, I ordered a large gin and tonic, a pint of lager and a pint of lager shandy in a gastro pub in Hammersmith. £15.40. So for a large gin and tonic, pint of lager, pint of lager shandy, £15.40. I could have bought a litre bottle of branded gin for less, cheap alcohol and ready-made dining in for two deals from supermarkets, astronomical brewery rents, parking and drink driving laws have seen the demise of the traditional pub. Yes, that is, you know, gone are the days where, as, as kids, we used to you know, sort of get in the car and we go out to a pub and have a pub lunch for the day. Or failing that, after after Christmas lunch, was it after Christmas lunch? No, before Christmas lunch, we would all troop down to the pub and you have a drink in the pub for Christmas and then we'd all go back and have Christmas lunch. I'd, people still do it, but I don't... They're, they're, they're doing it as often as they were. 84850, uk. First day back in the office, says Sylvia. have to tell you about uh, a musical we saw in Edinburgh. And it's called A Sentimental Journey, The Story of Doris Day. There you go, Ray and Barkingside. It was a shortened version, one hour, 20 minutes of the full-length one that's going to be on at the Mill in Sonning in Reading from the 8th to the 15th of September. We enjoyed it so much, we went twice. 
Doesn't beat Bridget, though, does it? Bridget going to see Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. I mean, 45 times or something now. It's just absolutely amazing. Uh, 84850, uk. Natalie in Brentwood. No, very silly text, I'm afraid. She says, uh, negative comments about the Notting Hill Carnival. What a stabbing. You think that's negative? I think it's pretty negative too, love. I think it is. Says, why doesn't Carnival get... Uh, why don't the media congratulate all the hard work that goes into it? But it takes place every year. It's not a one-off event. It's not a one-off event. And she says, um, you never get negative press on Glastonbury. Are you serious? Have you read a paper before? Good Lord. Very strange. Patricia in Liverpool says, I love the London names. The Sun and the Sands. Apparently a traffic roundabout. Oh, the irony in rainy England. Yes, it, well, it's a pub. So it's the Sun in the Sands, and then they've just called the roundabout. My favourite is the Charlie Brown roundabout. I picture right in the centre a big kennel with Snoopy dozing on the roof. But, of course, being a goth, uh, I'd love to live at Gallows Corner. Yes, and, and Moby Dick roundabout. A whale. And, uh, and Gallows Corner, actually, I think is near... That's near Romford, isn't it? Gallows Corner. And I'm assuming there used to be a Gallows... And what one's the other one? What? Harold Hill. Yes. We don't, we don't know that one, actually. Uh, Steve, the sun in the sands, not shut down, just had a refit. Being a local, I would know. The cheapest, £4 a pint, Steve. Pubs and no smoking. I think that's part of the problem, says Jim. Uh, my daughter took my grandchildren to Alton Towers and on the way back stopped at Warwick Castle this weekend. See, it's the castle thing again. We are proving now that if you take kids to some of these castles, they do reenactments and uh, lovely. Favourite one, says Patricia, Pratt's Bottom. I have listeners in Pratt's Bottom. I have, I have, I have lovely Angela and Hubby out in Pratt's Bottom. It always makes me laugh, but I had a whole book of, of signs, of, of signs all the way up, and most of them unrepeatable, but they were quite funny. Gallows Corner, though, they must have had a gibbet there, mustn't they? Years ago, a gibbet, incidentally, is a purpose, and they would hang people at, cro- generally, crossroads, and you would hang people there as a deterrent, quite clearly not, I'm afraid. Tony says, the sun in the sands is not closed. Oh, blimey. You're all telling me now, we'll all have to go to the sun in sands. We'll have a day out there, shall we? And Rob says, I've pre-ordered Doris Day's new album after hearing her interview by Michael Ball. Michael Ball? The Michael Ball? Good Lord. Just moved up, uh, just outside Edinburgh from Crawley. Would love to show you around Edinburgh's underground streets and haunted old alleyways, says Carol. Plus, we get real snow up here. Oh, I love real snow. I love real snow. So, the the question this morning is, how did the Notting Hill Carnival go for you? If you went, do let me know. Was it right that it went uh, went ahead? And your favourite London place names. Your favourite London place names. 84850 LBC 973. <laughs> With the news headlines, it's Sam Pittis. Police say the Notting Hill Carnival passed off. Esther Ranson's going to be looking at the uh, papers. She makes the papers herself today. She's uh, talking to the Times about the fact that she was abused years and years ago. Seems very uh, appropriate. Somebody who sets up child line should actually have a, a history of it. And she talks about that, and no doubt she'll talk about it this morning with Ian in uh, just over ten minutes' time. I see he's still milking the publicity and still parading the children in front of the cameras. Peter Andre, he took them out to the O2 Arena to go and see the Caped Crusader. Do you think they've got any idea what the Cape Crusader is at their age? But anyway, he paraded them in front of the cameras. For some strange reason, Peter Andre decided to wear a tea cosy on his head. I've got no idea. Perhaps it's called fashion. It's a bit strange for somebody of, of his age, isn't it, to wear that? But there you go. I was going to get a tea cosy today. I don't want to miss out on these. That's a very attractive look, isn't it? We are in summer, aren't we? Have I missed out something? Yeah, but it's cool, isn't it? Oh, it's co- oh I'm definitely getting one, then. If it's cool, I'm definitely getting one. don't want to miss out on that at all. Really? It's not really cool, I know. You're just saying that to make me feel better. Or worse. Uh, Freezy Water in Enfield. These are all these strange names for places. Having sort of come up with Pratt's Bottom and the Sun in the Sands roundabout. 
which, I mean, it makes you wonder, you know, is, is it, was it called the sun in the sand because sand is golden? And then we had Gallows Corner, and we assumed Gallows Corner was because there must have been a, a gallows there. Uh, another one here. Uh, the Hog in the Pound pub on South Moulton, Martin says, is closed. See, I love that name, the Hog in the Pound. I love that name. The word Gallows at Gallows Corner. It's the junction with the A12 and the A127, and on the main Roman road from Colchester to London. There you go. So now we know. Uh, Steve, gastro pubs targeting people on any sort of budget are going to fail owing to cheap foods availability elsewhere. Many are starting to sign up to schemes like Taste Card in order to offer a uh, in order to offer well publicised two for one or fifty percent off deals. Now, did you hear? Was it Julia Hartley Brewer the other day? Was it Julia Hartley or somebody else? They were talking about if they went out uh, for a meal with with a, a man and the man produced a two for one voucher at the end of the meal, they'd be going never again. Never, ever again. I mean, how embarrassing. There was, a, there was a scene in Golden Girls years ago, and Rose uh, went out with this bloke, but he, he ate on the cheap, and he'd say, oh, Rose, I'm going to take you out for dinner time. She'd go, oh, that's fantastic. He said, yeah, they've got a real special offer on. He said, it's, it's two for the price of one, and there's a free dessert as well, and as many free drinks. So everywhere he went, it was for the cheap food. How would you feel if you went out? Uh, because I, I sort of agreed with her. I don't mind paying full retail. I don't have a problem with that. I could never, at the end of a meal, produce a voucher. It's, I think it's two, two for the price of one. Is that OK? And hand it over. If you were taking somebody on a date, you wouldn't do that, would you? Uh, Steve, says James from up north. Probably not, actually. You don't like northerners, but you watch our soaps. Um... Well, they're not really your soaps. I think I don't... You know, please wait, we love life in northern towns. It's very funny. Because Coronation Street, of course, is just pretend. Unless, of course, you think it's real. Because, to be honest with you, a little cobbled street where people live like that in Manchester, excuse me. Have you been to Manchester recently? It's nothing like that. Manchester is so multicultural, and yet Coronation Street is so far removed from the loop. It's in a little... A little sort of world of its own. A little bubble. And Emmerdale. It's only made up, you know. They don't really live like that in these villages. Well, they might do, actually. And uh, Paula in Leyland says, What's wrong with us northerners? Sometimes you're very rude, Steve, but I'll carry on listening, as you're very entertaining. There you go, you see? You, see? you, don't, you have to do that, because you're starved of good radio. That's why, you see. You know, if, if you're up north, you turn on the radio and they go, and here's, an, here's another track for you flat-cap whippet lovers out there. And they play it, and you go, oh, that's boring, isn't it? And then you turn on the radio and go, hello, it's LBC 97.3. And immediately, life becomes better. So you have to put up with a bit of rudeness. I always think, actually, if you're really one of those people who go, ooh, you... do you remember people complained about um, uh, the weakest link, Anne Robinson, because she was rude about the Welsh? And you think, oh, get over yourselves. Get over yourself, for goodness sake. Uh, Steve, don't forget that tax liability on your lottery gift. Oh, no, we can get round that. What I'll probably do is sort of... I'll, I'll tell you what, just, just to get round it... No, actually, there, there wouldn't be a tax liability on that, actually. It's a gift. I can gift to her. Or failing that, I'll just pay all her bills off. And that way, so, I, um, you know, I'll just be doing that as a, as a friend, because, you know, I'm a caring person, Mike, uh, and I would do that for... Oh, well, I'd find a way of getting round it. And if she didn't have a property, I'd probably buy her a property as well. To heck with it. 86 million. It apparently makes you twice as rich as Kylie, who's got 40 million in the bank, and I'd have 86 million. The fact is, there is more chance of getting run over by a, a, an aircraft from another planet or galaxy than there is of winning the lottery. Something like 120 million to one, I think, the odds. But as I always say, somebody's got to win it. And then you look at the way that they've changed it with the stars and everything, and it's really difficult. You know, it, it must be. You know, if they actually come up with a winner tonight, somebody, somebody... Do you think they sit in lottery headquarters and the number, the last one comes out and they go, oh, there is a winner. Oh, they're in Twickenham. They're in Twickenham. His name's Stephen. Wee, whoopee. <laughs> and it turns out to be somebody else. I think it'd be quite nice. Brian says, I, I went to see Iris yesterday. She had all the soaps on one after the other. I ended up playing with the cat. 
See, I, I think it's a good... I mean, Emmerdale is so good at the moment. But it is, it is pretend, actually. So we, we, ha- we have to say that just for, for James. You know, the, the Oop North routine doesn't wash with me, I'm afraid. Because let's face it, if it's happening, it's happening in London. It ain't happening in the Dales. Although at the moment, it is. It is happening in the, in the Dales. It's kicking off big time. It's absolutely lovely. So you could be worth as much as Kylie and Mick Hucknell. Both worth 40 million. 86 million. People will be buying a ticket because they think, who knows, could be me. Won't be, but I mean, it, it could be. We, we live in that hope, don't we? Uh, Jeff Stelling is leaving Countdown. First of all, he was going, then he wasn't. They don't last on that programme very long, do they? But, uh, the, but Channel 4 have said, no, actually, we've got loads of people who want to do it. And, and we, we think we'll, we'll approach them. I don't know who would actually put in for it. I still think it should... I mean, I think either uh, Tom O'Connor... I'd love to see Tom O'Connor do it. He would be absolutely brilliant... He would be the best person. Very, very good indeed. We've had Des O'Connor, Des Lynham and Richard Whiteley, of course. And uh, other names, they say here... Um, oh, no, this is other people who've done other shows of, on the network. You don't want anybody like Lauren Laverne doing it. Why couldn't they have a woman doing it, actually? Could you have Carol Vorderman doing it? No, because she's going on to Loose Women, so that wouldn't work. Being a 007 fan, I like Bond Street and Baker Street because of Holmes. Well, I do love watching all the poor tourists being fleeced in that place, where they go past her and they think that... 221B Baker Street actually exists. And they think that this bloke, Sherlock Holmes, actually lived there. So they've got a fake London policeman standing outside and you pay money to have your picture taken. <laughs> it's wonderful. Adrian says, uh, and also Robin Hood Roundabout. Was that a place the outlaw stayed? I don't know. I don't... You see, that's interesting. I didn't think Robin Hood came down here, did he? I didn't think so. I've been in Robin Hood's Oak, where apparently the outlaw lived in this tree. I mean, it's a bit obvious. He's got his name on it. It says Robin Hood's Tree. And you think, well, the sheriff must have found him really fast, I think. Uh, Kidbrook Elbow on the A2 says Neil in Maidstone. And Mary in Balham says, continue being rude, it's a laugh. I know, we love it. We love it. Tom in Morden says, you're right. The price of beer in pubs has done the damage. Supermarkets sell so cheap. I gave up cigarettes 15 years ago and the beer six years. So you see, that, that's it. Wouldn't be much use you going to a, a pub, would it? Because you'd be sort of sitting there having, nursing a small Lucasade or a tomato juice or something like that, and that, that wouldn't be the kind of thing that, uh, that would keep pubs going. Although I'm led to believe most of the profit comes on the soft drinks. It doesn't come on the, uh, the hard drinks. And also, you're right, it is so expensive. As we heard earlier on, three drinks in one of these gastro pubs, it was nearly 16 quid. That's why, I mean, around here, we all used to go out for drinks years and years ago. But it became quite expensive. You know, a couple of the girls going, you know, have a double vodka. And, mm, blimey. You know, I used, to, I used to buy, we used to go out to the pub on a Friday night, all of us. And uh, we'd have drinks and bowls of chips and everything like that. And I never quite thought about the money. But you're right, if you go to some of these gastro pubs now, and the food's quite expensive. And I think that's what puts people off. When you can get meal for two for, what, £5, £10 now, £20 and things like that. Quite interesting. Anyway, that's it for this morning. They're all with you after the news at seven. That's Ian Dale. First of all, the business update with Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing down one point at 15.